Three Righteous Mamas is a podcast that is on a mission to transform our country. We tell the stories that matter, celebrate the power and hope of pissed off mamas who are building a better future for all of our children. I'm Muna Husseini. I'm Christina Sansun Ramirez. And I'm Martha Pincoffs. And thank y'all for joining us today. We're going to switch things up and talk amongst ourselves. We're going to discuss the question we asked all of our podcast guests. How did our mamas shape us? But before that, we're going to actually discuss self-care. And I know that this year for me, um, it's been a trial. Like I've been working from home or as I fondly like to say, living at work. <laughs> <And so, laughs> no, self-care is on, on my mind. <laughs> oh, that makes me so sad, Muna. That is so true though. Okay. It is. It's like my, my son is up at five. Thank you. Daylight savings. Can we, can we get rid of daylight savings just to begin with? But like, he's up at five. That, and then, speaking of that's like my mom's crusade. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can your mama do something about that? Please. She maybe could. I think that would be a lot of self-care just getting rid of that. But um, yeah, my, my day starts at five and then I'm up with my kids and then work and then it just never ends. And the next thing I know, it's like time for dinner. And then I see my husband for like mm, five minutes. And then I'm like, I'm going to bed. Bye. <laughs> like rinse and repeat. <laughs> Every single day. Yeah. So yeah. what are you doing to actually survive all of the time that's like nonstop? Like, well, you know, when um, the fingers come under the bathroom door. Oh, gosh. And my cat oh, does it too. It's not even just my kids. <laughs> I don't even have the fingers. I just have someone, Santi knows how to unlock all the doors. So, oh man. Well, one thing I started doing, well, it may not fit the traditional definition of self-care is I started noticing that my four-year-old had meltdowns every day, um, right before his nap and after his nap. And it was just so disruptive and so stressful for me because I'd be on like work calls and then my son would come in and just refuse to leave mom alone and this is one of the reasons my day is longer but it's added sanity is like I just block my day now from like 12 to about 1 30 so I eat lunch with him I put him down and then he takes his nap and then I'll work but I don't have meetings during that time, but it's, you know, just doing stuff like groceries or laundry or whatever. And then when he wakes up I'm with him and then it gives him a little time to decompress. And then I hand him off to his nanny, but it's like, it was so horrible and like embarrassing and just having him come in and like, literally like fight with me, like hit me and whatever, while I'm trying to like work and he's not a badly behaved kid. I think it's just, I want my mom, my mom's at home. And so making the choice, I don't know why I didn't do it sooner just to like block my calendar during that time. And the, just my stress level went down like, and nobody cared. Nobody cared at all at work. They were like, yeah, do what you need to do. And I thought, why didn't I give myself permission to do this months ago? Right. So I I guess I was getting in my own way. (laughs) What about you, Martha? Um, I don't know anything about getting in my own way all of the time. Um, You know what? I, so right when it, the pandemic started, we were in the house like all of the time. Um, And I took to walking. I would just like had 
you know, a blessed amount of flexibility in my day and could just get up and walk the neighborhood. So I just like, didn't stop. Um, but I just started a new job and I don't have the time to walk anymore. And so I, um, I actually go to the gym at five 30 in the morning on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday <laughs> and lift weights. And it is so like, it is such a gratifying thing. And I've met it. I've been some, I've meditated for 10 years. I have been like very devoted to a meditation practice. Um, but something happened when like, we have all just been together and, and, there hasn't been any space and I have not um, practiced my meditation in the way that I am accustomed to. So it's been, it's been really weird to figure out like how to give myself space to process through the days. Oh, and I made art. I started making art during the pandemic. It made an what artist kind of out art? of me. And I draw why? lines and stuff. Do you have anything there? I think I got it. You sent us a card you made us. I did send you guys cards. Along that's like that a card where you had all yeah. the different lines and the different colors. You yes, did that by yourself? Version. Yeah. yeah, totally. I know. So I freehand these huge um, lines and it's like something about, I don't think about it. Like I'm not allowed to think I put on music and something about the way that my hand feels pulling across the wood with the pen on the paper is like very that, I guess that's the meditation piece. So what music what do. do you listen to when you do that? She's listening to, so to, I, to hardcore <laughs> punk music while she's doing it. Metal. On <laughs> occasion. On occasion so metal. <laughs> <laughs> but I will listen to like a full, um, like I'll listen to all of Lyle Lovett or like a full record collection of somebody in order. And so it winds up taking me through all these stories of like, Oh, I remember when I was in high school and I loved the song or, you know, it's a trip. Oh, I love listening to songs from high school and, or when I was younger in my early twenties and being like, Oh, you feel so sentimental about this song. Oh my gosh. I know music's been a big one for me. And, uh, my children now have an appreciation of eighties music and specifically we've been listening to freestyle lately. And so, yes. you know, little Timmy T got your letter from the postman just the other day and (laughs) we'll put the link where you guys can listen to the song in full Um, (laughs) but you know like I just feel like music's not that good anymore as like what we were I guess I'm like an old fogey now I'm like back in my day music was better (laughs) like so good back then (laughs) that movies movies were better in the 90s they can't make it I mean you know the John Hughes Okay, Christina, what do you do to take care of yourself? Um, you see how so I did that? I actually, yeah, I did see how you did that. So Marlo, I mean, because I sometimes have an aversion towards the term self-care. Um, but I do like to take care of myself and not go crazy. Um, you know, I think for me, obviously, the fact that like, I'm not unemployed or sick. So that's already like, I'm not super stressed out compared to a lot of people, but, um, I, I spent the last year like traveling everywhere and working around the clock. So I have actually been loving this time at home. For me, it's been like this massive gift and I don't feel stressed out at all. I feel super calm 
And I, I actually have anxiety when I think about the world going back to how it was, where mm. I traveled all the time and I had to juggle a lot more um, relationships and high stakes things like things just don't seem also because things are so bad in the world. A lot of the things that seemed high stake before um, maybe they, maybe I'll go back and they won't seem high stake, but they did then. So yeah. I, I feel great. Um, but I've always um, exercise has always helped me. So I love running. Um, and I do get a little stir crazy being in the house all the time. So I have to leave the house every day. So whether that's going on a run though, now it's getting dark at five. And so that's not fun. Um, or I go a ridiculous amount to the grocery store because it's the only thing open. I love going to the grocery store. I'm always like so every much. day. There's like if you live in Austin, there's this great co-op called Wheatsville, and they make really good cookies and things. And I'm in there like every single day. Everyone that works there knows my name. It's very embarrassing, and Santi's name. And sometimes I go in multiple times a day. And they're like, "You're back." I'm like, "Yes, it's me again." <laughs> I can't so believe that I don't keeps see me you there. I know. I'm like, I kind of don't even believe you go because seriously, I'm in there all the time. I was there today. There almost every day of the week. My credit card bill is like, Wheatsville, Wheatsville, Wheatsville. Wheatsville. <laughs> oh, man. I think food, food is a big part of, of my self-care. Um, you know, as a Muslim, I don't drink, right? And I haven't done any drugs. And I'm always like, how do I relax? And I just find that like eating really good food totally. makes me happy. Mm-hmm. It really, really makes me happy. And I think that it's just, I don't know that we consciously do it, but maybe it's just because we're snotty about it. And it's like, oh, I'm not eating that. Or like <laughs> the other day I made myself a sandwich for dinner and my sister came up to me. She's like, oh, what's wrong? <laughs> and I know people eat sandwiches all the time. And by the way, we cook a lot in my house or like, we're just really even picky on like where we eat out, but like, it's just, um, it's just a big part of, I guess, what, like a non-negotiable, I, I hear you on the exercise and I, I hear you on the art, but I don't know. I'm just like, as a Muslim, it's like my only vice and I'm keeping it. So, um, so I, I hate to let you know this. I think it's the vice of all cultures of food <laughs> to be true. clear. Yes, yes. Sound yes. And in the post-COVID times, this is gonna turn into a dinner party. That's why we've all gained like 10 pounds in COVID. That's you know, the gyms when when it's cool. You're you're going don't you go to like an outdoor gym? I do. Go which to is like uh gym. it's too cold for me. But I'm I swear the gyms are just gonna be massively overbooked once COVID is lifted because everyone's gonna try and lose that extra food weight. We just cause we were all bored. So the COVID fifteen. So I'm really excited about what we've got to talk about today. Yeah, I am too. I've been curious about this and can't believe we haven't actually had the conversation. Yeah, I know. It's like two women I absolutely love and adore that I think of as really wise, fun, um, just great people to be around and don't even know how your mama shaped you, right? We talk about all the time about how we're shaping our kids, but how you came to be you. So I know that's what we're going to talk about today. The, you know, the question we ask all of our guests, but why don't we start with you, Martha? I want to know how your Bring mama made the Martha Pinkoffs I know today. Well, 
she fed her on organic food and no, but she actually was, she was an, she was a, an original like um, health nut, which I didn't really have any appreciation for when I was growing up. In fact, I sort of resented it and would like really get excited when I could go to my friend's houses who had goldfish in their house. Um, and I could like totally binge on their goldfish, but, um, but my mom's name is Louise Pinkoffs, Louise Ghost Pinkoffs, and she is from Wichita Falls, Texas, which is just about to the border of um, Oklahoma. So she's a North Texas woman and she's very funny. She has two sisters um, and they're, they were sort of like a known entity from Wichita Falls. Um, but my mom has shaped me in, you know, so many different ways. And I sort of knew that we were going to have this conversation. And so I was trying to think of like the highlights reel. Um, and one thing that just like, even to this day, I have internalized so deeply is that every time I would leave my mom's house, my mom's car, if I was going to ride bikes down the street, or if I was being dropped off at a friend's house for a, um, a sleepover, my mom would tell me, now, honey, you be sweet and have fun. So cute. And so cute. <laughs> so cute. And it was so like that, that shit got deep in me because I still like, I do actually think that that is very much the way that I engage with the world. Is I would testify to that. If anybody knows Martha, <laughs> two very core ways, I would say she is uh, sweet and, and fun, funny as well. Yeah. And my mom, I mean, my mom carries that too. She's, she's definitely funny. Um, and she's pretty sweet too. Um, the other way like the other primary way that she shaped the way that I engage with the world specifically is that she has modeled for me um, the ability to grow and to change. And we didn't actually get there on the easy road at all. Um, my Growing up, my parents were like relatively conservative, but it was, you know, I was raised mostly in the late seventies, early eight, or eighties and nineties. I was born in 77. Um, and so like, there were no gay people in our world at all. Um, that's not actually true. My, my dad's uncle, my great uncle Tom was gay, but nobody ever talked about it. It was just like, he the was the secret. He was, it was this, it was, it was so weird because he would actually come be with us, but it was never acknowledged, even though he had written um, to his siblings that he was gay. There was, they didn't never even acknowledge the letter that he wrote inviting them into his full life. Um, so when I came out, it, I was 26 years old, I, which is late. And I had known that I was gay since I was little, like, I remember 
Can I, I ask really what year it. this is? Like, so you're 26. So if I was my math is in... not good. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to add seven. If you remember from other 26. episodes, Martha and I have discussed how we are not good at math. So <laughs> I'm literally getting my calculator out to add 26. That would be 2002. Yeah. Oh two oh three. Muno, you were like valedictorian or something. Thanks, I Muna. Wish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this was, yeah, this was 2003, I think. Um, but, but before that, I had known forever. Like when I was like 12, 10, hmm. however old I was, I, I knew that that was, um, that that was a truth about me. I did not, I intentionally didn't put words to it. I would um, stand in my, the driveway at my house and shoot baskets and think if I, if I make this one, I'm not gay. If I don't think about it today, then maybe I'm not gay. And like, I just like, I knew that when the time came to share that truth with my family, that there was rejection on the other side of it. Um, so my coming out story was it was I came out first to my sister knew but I came out first to my mom and she kind of forced me out um but I was at a party across the street from their house there these gay boys lived there I sold real estate then they were fellow realtors I was in a relationship with somebody that I worked with she was actually married at the time so there was lots of uh, there was a lot to work through for my parents. Um, but my mom called me and I remember, I will never forget. I was wearing a t-shirt that had, it was a Navy t-shirt and on my right boob, it had love and a lightning bolt. And on my left boob, it had, uh, fear and a pile, like a pile of money or something. Um, and my mom called me and she said, come over here. And so I go across the street and she said, are you gay? And I said, I don't know. I did know, but I couldn't bear to own it. And then she said, are you in a relationship with, and she named the name and I said, I am. And she said, okay, you can go. And I said, no, we need to just like, now we're here, let's do this. Um, and we had a hard night um, and we had a hard couple of years. Um, but my mom really worked um, to understand and she did learning on her own, I think about uh you know what it meant to have a gay kid and she went to therapy with me and we really worked on the relationship and chose the relationship um and so actually now we what we have is a lot closer and she went from somebody who was you know total like bush republican um to somebody who was campaigning for Hillary and campaigning for Joe Biden. Um, and in large part, because she knows that 
the impact that it has on my life or that's what got her there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've just watched her open and make space um, for a bigger understanding of how other people experience this country. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that so much that she has been brave enough to do that. I one thank you for sharing that story and I guess what's like hitting me about it too is just you were 26 you know my mom always says to me that you're always going to be my baby you know Mm -hmm. and I feel like my mom still shapes me and your mom still shapes you like even as an adult like the the lesson that I thought you were going to tell me was like this lesson as a kid, but this is a lesson and how she shaped you now as an adult. It's like pretty amazing that as moms, they keep giving, we keep giving, right. And she's still giving to you totally. these lessons. Mm-hmm. She totally is. And, and it's, she is a big part of why I believe that, that people are, that it's worth staying in conversation with people Mm -hmm. that you think that you disagree with, because if we can find, if we can find our humanity together, then I think that we have, we have work to do together. And that's so important. No one stays the same over time. And if you go back to what you were saying earlier, is it be sweet and have fun? Was that it? Yeah. Yeah. I think in that spirit, no matter what you're going through, if you're going to be sweet and have fun and stay the course, you're going to figure it out. And I'm so grateful for Mama Pinkoffs and you sharing that story with us. You can call her Wheezy Muna. Wheezy? All I think of is the band Weezer. I think of the band Weezer. (laughs) She's Wheezy. I think of Little Wayne when you say that. But you can, you can see just by that response, the different tastes in music we have right there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it also makes me think of the Jeffersons. Yeah, totally. She's wheezy. Um, so it has been, um, it's, it's fun to, it's nice to like actually reflect on that and to take time, um, thinking about it because a lot of a lot of gay kids for sure don't get that, you know? Mm. And so I really appreciate that my mom gave me that. So that's Wheezy. I can't wait to meet her. She's fun. And She's sweet, sweet and fun. She got yeah. it from somewhere. <laughs> wow. All right, Christina, um, tell us about yeah, your mom. Christina. So you have to understand my mom is like my hero to me. Like there's no one I love, respect, admire, look up to more than my mama. And it's always been that way. Um, and so my mom's name is Anna Sensun. And, you know, she is from Mexico. I think people know that, that listen, she grew up really, really poor. Um, and she was the oldest of nine kids. And so she wasn't really even raised by her parents. She was raised by her grandparents. Um, she had, my mom has had a really hard life. So, you know, she grew up really poor. Her dad was an alcoholic. There was a lot of abuse. Um, and then as an adult, you know, she has me and my sister and brother. And when I think about what, 
how my mom shaped me and like why she was my hero. My mom was always my hero because she was so like her love was such a gift and you knew it all the time. And, um, like when I, even with Santi right now, I'm like, there's no way I can ever live up to be everything that my mom was, you know, (laughs) she was just the most amazing mom that was always, always there for us. And it's kind of funny even because I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up. Yeah. I'd go to Mexico a lot, but then I was just around my mom and she was the only Mexican mom I knew where I grew up. And I wondered if other kids' moms were as nice as my mom. Like I just thought I had the best mom and probably all the other kids were jealous of me. (laughs) It's like how much I thought my mom was awesome. Um, But I think about the kind of way she shaped me, the key ways are, you know, my mom made us all very proud to be who we are today. And I actually just found out this story recently. Um, she was telling someone else about it and I hadn't heard it before. Um, we were living in Dallas at the time when I was really young, we lived in Dallas and then later we moved to Ohio. Um, and my mom went into a panaderia, a, a Mexican bakery. And, um, my brother, sister, and I are all light skinned and my brother and sister, actually their hair changed colors later. It was darker, but when they were born, it was actually kind of strawberry blonde, both of them. And, um, we went into the panaderia and the woman behind the counter saw my mom with me and my siblings, my mom's dark skinned. And the woman said to my mom, son tuyos o los cuidas, are those your children or do you take care of them? And my mom respond, responded, son míos y los cuido. They're mine and I take care of them. <laughs> and the woman said to my mom, and this was another Mexican woman, but she told my mom that, well, they're going to be very ashamed that you're their mother because you're very dark skinned and ugly um, Indian. That's what she told my mom. And, um, and that kind of stuff happens in Mexico too. Like there's a lot of discrimination against people that are darker skin that are indigenous. Like it happens around the world, um, you know, remnants of colonialism. Um, mm-hmm. and so my mom just didn't say anything cause my mom isn't the type of person back then that would talk back now she is, but back then she wouldn't talk back. She was just really insulted and left with us and didn't say anything. My mom actually said, she said, Oh, thank you for letting me know. I think my mom literally said that to the lady and then left. That's like how polite my mom was <laughs> back then. Uh, yeah. And my mom left and she said, I was, I went home and I was really upset that this lady told me that. And I remember looking at you, you three kids and wondering if you were going to be ashamed of me, like you wouldn't want me people to know mm. that I was your mom. And, um, I decided then that I was going to make sure that you were really proud of who you all were, that you were going to be proud to be. Um, Mexican, that you were going to be proud to come from a community that was brown, that was indi- like with, uh, in Mexico, it's considered uh, indigenous, right? You were going to be proud of all these things. You were going to be proud to come from a community that was poor. Um, and I raised you to be incredibly proud of all of those things. But sometimes I did feel ashamed and like, but I just never wanted you to feel that. Um, so I didn't let you know that I even felt that about myself sometimes. Um, and, you know, it hurts me to hear my mom say that, that like she felt sometimes ashamed and, um, but it was like this great gift. Cause I, like I said, I thought it wasn't until I got into middle school, even I thought everyone was jealous of me for being Mexican. <laughs> like, cause my mom raised us that. like that. Like it wasn't until middle school. And then some people started to call us like spicks and wetbacks. And I was like, what oh, is this? Aren't God. you guys jealous of us? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> 
<laughs> I speak two languages. My food is better than yours. What's wrong with you? <laughs> What's the deal? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so um yeah, I would say like, thank you, mommy, for making me incredibly proud of who I am. Like, that's just the greatest gift my mom gave me. So that's one of them, I would say. That is, oh. I, I mean, hearing... sorry, Martha, go ahead. Well, yeah, I, I hate hearing the pain part, but like thinking about what you created, especially with Jolt, like there, that is a, the embodiment of those lessons from your mom, right? Yeah. I mean, my mom gave me all that, right? She, I just, yeah, I never understood why anyone would be ashamed of where they came from. Cause like, I was just raised that it was like a gift to come from somewhere else. Oh, and it is. That's so powerful. That's so powerful, especially because people struggle so much with, I'll, I'll say the authenticity of their identity and letting their inside match their outside like such mm. a gift remind me what's your mama's name her name is um anna oh so yeah and she's like really and i will say so the other thing i was going to say about her the other gift she gave me is my mom you know she's had a really really hard life and she says it herself she's like i've had a really hard life a lot of pain my whole life um and I love my father so much, but their relationship was really hard. Um, I think like a lot of families, there was a lot of fighting, um, just a lot of pain, betrayal, you know, from my mom for many, many years. And I remember as a little girl watching my mom, and it was actually the only times I would not feel like my mom is the best mom. I would watch her not leave my dad when it was so clear she should. Mm -hmm. and like think she was I, I, and you know it's embarrassed me to say I thought this but as a little girl I just thought she was stupid like mm -hmm. I thought why doesn't she just leave um and my mom waited to leave my dad until my younger brother was in his senior year of high school and my mom you know she didn't go to school past like the I think it's like eighth or ninth grade she English wasn't her first language by any means. Um, she didn't have a high school diploma. She didn't have like money. She didn't know people. And um, she lived a very isolated life. She mostly just took care of us. And, you know, she waited and waited. And she said, I waited because I wanted my children to all have education, especially my girls, so that they wouldn't ever have to depend on a man like I had to. And took me to like my mid twenties to realize, wow, my mom is really strong. Like to endure what she did. And I can't even talk about the things she endured, but like the things that she endured for the love of her children, the strength that took. And I will say the, one of the best things is my mom always raised us and she was like fun and funny and all those things, but she really didn't even become her full own person. I think until like the last my parents have now been separated since almost like 20 years and she really become her full self in like till the last 10 years, you know, like, um, my mom was really afraid of people. You know, she was really afraid to like rock the boat. Like that lady that said, you're ugly Indian woman, your children are never going to love you. My mom responded. Thank you, um, for letting me know. 
that is not how my mother would respond today, but that's how she responded back then. Like my mom last year on Facebook, all of a sudden I saw a picture. She had a nose ring. I was like, mom got a nose ring. And she's like, I'm 60. Mom, not getting any younger. And I've always wanted one. I think they're cute. I went and got one. And then two weeks after that, my mom is backpacking by herself in Croatia. (laughs) What? She's a total badass. Yeah. So she's like, awesome. And I'm just like constantly amazed how, you know, she said, I had a really hard life. I never got to be my own person. I was always sacrificing and taking care of others. And now I've got these years left of my life and I'm going to make sure I get to be my own person. And I just like, love that about my mom. So that's my mama. That's amazing. Does she have like, does she get to have some ease now to be like, is life not so hard anymore so she can enjoy it more? Yeah. I mean, like she, um, travels more. She's, you know, does things that she wants to do for herself, which she never could do like her whole life. Um, she doesn't ask for permission to do things. She used to have to ask for permission to like do anything. Um, she doesn't do any of that anymore. And she's just her own person. Um, and so I like, you know, I just constantly love watching her grow, like at this stage of her life. Um, like she's like, as soon as COVID's over, I'm going to South Africa. That's my next place I'm going. <laughs> wow. Yeah. She's still blossoming. There's more there. That's amazing. I will say she's never dated again though, which that kind of breaks well, my heart, but Hey, it's her choice. <laughs> right. I think to, to each their own, right? Like who cares what tradition says you need to do, right? If, if she's happy being on her own and spreading her wings, like more power to her. That's pretty amazing to hear. Yeah. To, to, to Martha's point, it's just like the constant growth and the evolution of, of who we are as people, mm-hmm. right? I, I know I struggle with that one because you have to acknowledge that your mom has more of an identity than just being your mom, right? Yeah. Tell us about your mom. Yeah, Muna. So um, my mom's name is Surya Tasneem Husseini. She, she um, grew up in a town outside of Hyderabad in India called Nizamabad. And, I, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to both of y'all talk, I have a little bit of a confession. I did not appreciate my mom and the amazingness that she is, I think until much later. And I, I always struggled because like, I knew growing up that I didn't want to be a housewife. And I think that's all I saw her as. And now being a mother, when I look back and I think about just, I feel like she just instilled excellence in us but she didn't talk about it. It's because that's what she did, right? Like we were always taken care of. We had three square meals a day. Mm-hmm. Our rooms were always clean. If we needed help with her homework, she was on it, right? Like if we needed to go somewhere, it was done. And and though my mom, like she never played sports, but we all played competitive sports. She took us to all of our games. She watched and like, like I remember I'd be sitting next to her when my brother was playing tennis and like she'd swing her arm, even though we're sitting, <laughs> you know, so like- cute in the bleachers because she'd be like yeah She's get playing. it go right like she was never a passive part of our lives mm-hmm. and um 
like she was just committed and dedicated and there wasn't anything else. Like there was no, like we were her lives, but she was our lives. And I just took it completely for, for granted. Right. And like, you know, that little story about, you know, like swinging the tennis racket. Like I, I think she was so committed that even though she didn't know how to play sports, like she could, we'd, we'd leave the game and she'd be like, you should have done this. You should have done that. And like, she got like, even now, when I talk about tennis, like she knows every player, like Rafa, Nadal, like Serena, right? <laughs> she knows all their stats and everything. And this is a woman that never played sports ever, right? Or even just what you were talking about with, with being your authentic self and being proud of your heritage. I kind of struggled in the sense of like, okay, my, my parents were immigrants who came here in the early 70s and, you know, kind of trying to find that place of like, yes, I loved my food, but I didn't want to bring like stinky Indian food to the school. Oh my God. You mean delicious, delicious, delicious smelling. Like now? Absolutely. (laughs) But I think when I was 12, I was like, can I just get a bologna sandwich, mom? Gosh. Right. And you know, she'd always be like, suck it up. You're different. Our foods are made like kind of the same stuff. But like, I, I think it was just more like a you know, I'm not spoiling you over this or making it even easy for you. Like you're different and just kind of like forcing us to like be comfortable with who we are and like our identity. And like, yes, you speak another language, like get over it. You're going to learn it. And like, not just my Indian language, but also learning Arabic from a religious standpoint and like taking the time to do it and being like, I don't care you're doing it. Right. And like, even when we struggled against it, like she was so, strong in her identity and like mm-hmm. I feel like because there was no brooking any like there was no playing with that she was like no this is how it is and you're gonna be okay with it that I I have such a strong comfort in my identity now and yeah. I don't feel the need to be apologetic about a single thing of who I am and um Lastly, that third point you made, I guess the third point I'll make about what you were talking about is independence is my, my mother's father, they, they were actually, um, I guess, small business owners and they did well, but at some point my mother's father fell into some, we'll call it like legal issues on like ownership of land with his family. And he spent the majority of her adult life fighting for his assets and she always struggled because she couldn't, she didn't feel like she could do that much to like help her family, even though they were here. And so my mom always was focused on you, you will get your education. You will be independent. You, you will like, it's almost like I never wanted to be a housewife because she never wanted me to be a housewife, Mm. but I didn't, I didn't realize that until I got older and like, my work ethic and my career and everything like you know there wasn't a conversation of like well maybe you'll go to college like no I don't think she ever told me I was going to college I was just going and I knew it like everyone in my family knew right I'm actually the only person in my family that doesn't have a doctorate I'm kind of like the black (laughs) sheep in that sense but you know that was all just because she it was it was um she just it was known. I don't even know that we had a conversation about it. And and it's just, it's like that level of just like being, it transfers. And she was, she was just full of that drive to just, like I said, like 
be the best, be, be excellent. Like there was never any, just do it to get it done. It's like, if you're going to take the time to do it, you're going to do it right. And like, yeah. that was it. There was no playing. And I, you know, I don't think I started to realize this until after I was done with college, I was probably like 25 and I started thinking about my life. And like, I didn't realize like, wait, like, I think after I started working and I had friends you know, who were like, Oh, you, you know how to cook. And I was like, yeah, you don't. And they're like, no, <laughs> like what your, your family didn't teach you this stuff. Like, no. And, or even just simple stuff. Like, even though my mom didn't work, my parents, but, but she did work, right? She did. Like yes. she did work. She didn't have an occupation outside she didn't of get the paid. house, right? She didn't get paid. Right? But didn't like, get paid. okay. The three of us all work. Right. So here's a question. Yeah. Like I, in my head, I love the idea of like staying at home and being here for Santi all the time, but it's so hard that I actually don't think I can do it. Like, it's so hard for me to imagine being that available all the time um, that I'm like really glad I get to work because it is so hard to imagine like being that available, that caring, that conscientious 100% of the time. It's like so much weight to carry. It's way easier to get up and go to work than it is to mm-hmm. stay home. And I, I lovingly refer to my mom as a domestic engineer now because mm-hmm. I just don't know that like we don't value what mamas do. We, we don't value it enough or give it enough respect. It's, it's almost, I feel like we got to turn this, this, uh, idea of what it means to be a family on its head because it's like the spouse that is the breadwinner is supporting the spouse that is raising the children and not the other way around Mm -hmm. yep that'd be powerful Muna I mean I remember my mom also worked at at raising us was her primary job and I remember her like saying to my dad when he would come home sometimes like you get to leave you leave and you go to your office and this is hard. And I, I don't think I could do it. Um, I really don't. And that is not for a a lack of love for, of my children. It just is. I don't know. It's it's mentally, it's emotionally hard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I keep trying to convince my partner, Manuel. I'm like, don't you want to be a stay-at-home dad? I will totally like give you the space to do that. And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, why don't you do it? And I'm like, oh, because it's really hard. I was like, because I believe in modern relationships, Manuel. <laughs> That's right, honey. It's it's not working. <laughs> I, uh, my My husband and my mom joke around a lot because- my husband will always be like, oh yeah, I'm such a poor guy. Like, look at all the stuff I have to deal with, with, you know, being married to your daughter. And like, he's so comfortable joking around with my mom that way. And my mom's always like, you're too comfortable. Like you're talking about my daughter. And she just (laughs) gives it right back and they get along. But, you know, it's just, it's so amazing to see their strength and their quiet strength. And it's like, who decided that strength shows up one way? Mm -hmm. Who decided that strength and leadership means boom, 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 boom. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not to take away anything from my dad, but oh, like the, the quiet, deep 
authentic strength, wisdom, leadership, love, humor from my mama. It's like, I'm just blown away that, you know, she's in her seventies and to, to both of your points still evolving and still growing. And it's like, like the horizon, it's still out there. And it's just, uh, so inspiring. Like when I was listening to both of y'all talk about your mom, so inspiring. And I'm so grateful because we get to be part of these conversations and passing on their, I'll call it ancestral wisdom, right? To, to our yeah. kids. Okay. So post COVID, I think we need not just three righteous mamas to get lunch, but three righteous mamas in our mamas? moms. I think that would be really fun. I feel like it would be the really mamas fun. And the mamas. Yeah. And to see like how they interact with each other. I'd love it. Oh, I think that would be so fun. I'm down. Your, your two moms are here in Austin, right? Or is your mom in Dallas? Muna? My mom's in Austin. My mom's in Dallas, but she, she comes down to visit all the time. Okay. My mom's in between here and Ohio. So maybe, you know, if while she's here, that would be really fun. We'll have to work it out so when mama Anna comes down. That's right. Well, I loved learning about your all's moms. And I think you're totally right, Muna. Like we have to learn you know, you didn't value it as a kid because society doesn't value it. Right. And I think that's what's so special about this conversation we're having one motherhood never ends, right? Your babies are always your babies. And, um, you're always learning also how to be a better mom, like, you know, and impart that wisdom on your little ones, no matter how old, um, they get. And so I loved learning about your moms and I cannot wait to meet them. Um, I think it's going to be awesome. It's going to be I have one fun. question before we close this out. As a grandma, my mama lets my kids do everything I was not allowed to do. Is that the same for y'all? Like whatever they want, there are no rules. It is insane. I'm, my mom, <laughs> like we were not allowed to eat sugar. We weren't allowed to like have any of that stuff and like have my kids over. And it's like, Wheezy, can I have a cookie? Wheezy, can I have some cake? Wheezy, can I, can I, can I? And it's like, whatever you want. Yeah. Who, who hilarious. It's hilarious. Well, they're like, they get a go, they're, they're high on sugar. They're going home to Martha. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> then they're my problem. Yeah. All right. What are y'all? Wait, I have one more question too. What do y'all's kids call your mom? What's so the grandma my name? mom is so funny, right? Cause she's like, I don't want to be called grandma. So she came up with her own name. She wanted to be called Tita which I have no idea why she wanted to be called. Oh, because Abuelita. So she decided to make it Tita. Um, And Santi refuses to call her that and came up with calling her Gaga. So she's Gaga now. That's cute. Um, In Urdu, mom's mother is Nanima. And uh, I think it got shortened to Nama for my youngest and the older, older daughter calls her Nama. And then on my uh, husband's side, I'll just say that my mother-in-law wanted to be called Mommy Muluka, which is her name. So that's what she goes by. What about you, Martha? Mom goes by Wheezy. Wheezy. Mm -hmm. Wheezy. All right. Well, here's to them. Love to the mamas and the grandmas and the titas and the Wheezies. We're out. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share it with others. And please, please rate this podcast. Let us know what you think, what you're... Um, liking so that we can make this podcast even better.
Thank you for listening to Three Righteous Mamas on behalf of the Texas Signal. The podcast was edited by Sarah Tatvi. To find out more about who we are and what we do, please visit our website at texassignal.com. Thank you.